Hello, Real Life family and friends. And if you're visiting, welcome. I'm Pastor Tim, pastor at Real Life here in Matros, and uh, we're starting a series of celebration uh, because our 40th year anniversary is coming up this September, September 12th. And so over the next three, four weeks, we're going to just celebrate what God has done and what God is continuing to do here at Real Life. And uh, just going to kind of review just the passions that God has given us, what he has put in our hearts for the vision um, for the creation of this church in the beginning, 40 years ago, and what continues to drive us forward uh, and, the, and the calling that God has on our lives. And I just want to invite everyone to be a part of this journey with us as God is still doing amazing things. And we want to celebrate together over these, last, these next couple of weeks together and uh, just, just, just celebrate and see what God has done and, and is doing. So I'm calling this series 40 Years of Ministry. The story continues. Uh, this is our story together. There's been hundreds of people, thousands of people really impacted by these 40 years of ministry uh, through what started out to be the Lamb of God Fellowship. And now we've changed our name just this last year to Real Life. And all of those lives have been a part of this journey together. Not everybody is still with us, uh, but we have touched hundreds and thousands of lives over these last 40 years. And we are going to, by God's grace, continue to see many lives touched and transformed. And uh, I'm just so proud to be a part of this church, so part of, uh, proud to be a part of this family. And I want to thank everyone for just loving one another, serving God faithfully, especially our founding families, our founding pastor, Pastor Bob Koch and Sherry, uh, our founding elders um, and families. Wow, I just want to say so, I'm so thankful for the just the leadership you have shown, the heart that you have maintained, uh, your courage, uh, your convictions, your love, your passions for God and for people. And so let's celebrate together. And today I've, I've got a message for you that I hope is encouraging, but also uh, just really motivating as well as we move forward for what God has for us. Um, the church is not a business to run, right? The church is not a religious club to join. The church is not a building to maintain. The church is God's family. And today's message is entitled, The Church is People, God's Family. The church is not any of these other things. It is you and I, the children of God, people who have been redeemed by God. That is the church. And so I want to talk about family. I want to talk about relationships. I want to talk about how we together as the people of God have been called together to love each other, support each other, and have real relationships in our lives together. That's the challenge today. And those relationships lead us into a life of freedom and healing and wholeness. This is God's idea. This is not a work of man. The church is God's family. God is at the head of the church. He is our leader. Jesus is our Lord. He is our commander-in-chief, right? He is the one who leads us in victory. He is the one who died for us, who saves us, who heals us, who leads us, who holds us all together. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture, right? So this is not a religious organization. It's not a business um, you know, it, this is people. It's you and me, the people of God. Our beginnings as a church 40 years ago um, started with a, a group of people experiencing the presence and power of God through the infilling of the Holy Spirit. We had an intimate 
powerful interaction with God himself. And this was a personal uh, encounter that our founding families uh, had with God. It lit a fire inside of them, and God called them to begin this work together, this church. The history of the church, and what I mean by the history now is the, the, the church at large. Over the course of the last 2,000 years, the history of the big church, right, throughout history in all parts of the world, we have seen over and over again the tendency of man to control and organize God, all right? A bad tendency. When mankind takes charge uh, of God and begins to define and dictate to God who he is and what he is and is not allowed to do, we have something called religion. When mankind takes this thing over, it becomes religion. But Jesus came to give us a relationship with him. It is very difficult to maintain what I consider a spirit-led and a spirit-filled church. It's very difficult to have a church where God truly is in charge because we are human and we're innately flawed. All of us are tainted by sin. And the fallen nature of pride, selfishness, lust for power and control, it's nearby all the time, right? And so we see glorious examples of God leading the church through God-appointed leaders but in, in history, but we also have seen tragic takeovers by the human spirit, not the Holy Spirit. And when the human spirit takes over, uh, it makes a mess and there's abuses and there's a lot of hurt and pain and brokenness, right? And so I just want to applaud the 40 years of faithfulness to God and to loving God and loving people that our leaders uh, in our congregation have shown. Of course, we've had hiccups. Of course, we've had mistakes. Uh, and we, we, we regret those. But God has been faithful to do a great work through the Lamb of God Fellowship, which is now the real life in real life. And I believe God is going to continue to lead us with His strength, His wisdom, His grace, His love, His peace as we go forward. And so let's continue to strive for unity in the Spirit and strive for unity together. Hi, Real Life family. I'm Hal Eargood, and my wife is Kelly. We hope you're enjoying our family's 40th anniversary celebration. For the last 40 years, God has blessed us with so many miracles and teachings for our life together in Christ. We know that the best is yet to come, and we want to grow and be ready and available for God's purposes for our Real Life family. Kelly and I have been involved in life groups for many years. We have been able to grow in faith and knowledge of who God is and who we are in Christ. It's been a lot of friendship, fellowship, and the time to get to know people and share in this life God has given each of us. Most important is the time spending God's Word. It has allowed us to know who Christ Jesus really is, to understand His plan for our life. As I said in life groups, you learn who you are in Christ and how he has empowered you to win with the gift of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus said, I must go, it was so he could send his spirit to live inside each of us. You have your own personal Jesus living inside of you. How amazing is that? He has also promised that he will never leave you nor forsake you, praise God. Life groups allow you to, to grow at an accelerated pace. When we spend time together in God's word, we share knowledges and experiences that allow us to glean from each other. We learn from different perspectives that each of us bring. We're able to take time and get answers from God's word that we've not seen before. 
God's Holy Spirit opens our hearts and our minds in truth and wisdom. One last word I will leave you with. You are either growing in Christ or falling away from him. Always know just how much he truly loves you. May God have his way in your life always. Bye for now. Hi, my name's Kelly Eargood, and I'm married to Hal Eargood. Life groups are the lifeblood we believe and pulse of the church. We learn through continuation of study on topics or the message that pastor brings. Many times our life group has been six to seven couples and we do have individuals as well. We strive to build relationships and trust as we get to know one another better. We laugh, we cry, we comfort, and most importantly, listen to one another. Hi, I'm Dave Smith. And hi, I'm Kelly Smith. You know, when, when we started out many, many years ago, and I can't remember the exact year to you, about 2005, I would guess, all I knew is that we were looking for Jesus. And Kelly wanted to go to this weird church in Montrose that um, I wasn't really confident about, but I just knew that I wanted my, me and my family to go to church together. And in that, we ended up coming and finding out that um, these people were strange. But after we were here for a little while, Kelly um, told me that I signed us up for this life group thing. And I just thought, oh, crap. <laughs> these people are going to want me to go and show up and tell them all their, everything that I've done and confess all my sins and all these things. And I wasn't ready to do it, but... If it meant that we were going to get closer to God together, I went ahead and went. And it wasn't like that. It was about Jesus showing up. And it showed up in those people that we got to know, we got to love, and, and we got to become just great friends with. Well, they become part of family together. Yeah. And, you know how we describe life groups is doing life together and you know it really is because you end up doing so much together um, we've moved people we've um, been there to help people um, and in same you know they've been there to help us whenever we're in need and we know that anybody in that group we can count on them yeah and it, it's just so different than what you expect when you you know first go to one but it changes your life changed ours yeah. for sure and i think the biggest thing it absolutely you get to know people that help demonstrate the love of christ and it's definitely um changed our life for the better so that we can demonstrate the love of christ out in the world and with groups too if leaders and the congregants of a congregation remain humble before God, if we remain humble before God, if we continue to be filled and dependent upon the Holy Spirit, if we remain vigorously loyal to the Word of God, then we can maintain a Spirit-filled, Spirit-led church. And that's what we have here at Real Life, and that's what we strive to continue to foster, is a Spirit-filled, Spirit-led church where God is our leader, 
And uh, man does not take over control, but Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God, the Father, is in control of our church. Amen? Can I get an amen from somebody? We don't need religion, right? We need God. And that is one of the biggest founding purposes of this church was the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit filled people. And we had an encounter with God. And that's what drives us forward, that each and every one of us will have that same encounter with his presence. And we will live dependent upon him, not man, right? And he will lead us and guide us. So the church is not a work of man, but a family, a family of God, right? And God is in charge. God is love. And God is all about loving, redeeming, healing, growing, and empowering people. So that's what real life is all about. The same thing, right? Trying to learn how to love, allow God to redeem and heal and make us whole, to encourage us to grow and to be empowered in Him and through Him that we might be able to fulfill the purpose God has for our lives. And there's really, uh, the word for um, church in the Greek is this word ecclesia. And it really comes from a, um, the gathering of, like in, in the Greek time, political leaders. And now it's being applied to the people of God. So ecclesia means, to the, it means the assembling together or the gathering together of God's people. Now, who are God's people? Uh, people who are of faith, people who are trusting in Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's the church. It's people who are trusting in Jesus as Lord and Savior, gathering together. And so the question should be, why? Why do we gather together? And I want to give you just five quick purposes I believe Scripture points to, but I don't have time to go into all of those in great detail. But number one, we gather together to worship God. Every one of us is called to worship God, right? Number two, we gather together to be built up in our faith and, and in, in Scripture, that's fellowship. That's why one of the uh, uh, parts of the original church's name had the word fellowship in there, the Lamb of God fellowship. We are a group of people coming together to have relationships with one another because together we are stronger, we are better, and God created the design of the church to be people encouraging, building up, helping, loving, supporting other people, okay? So that's the second purpose. Every one of us is called to love one another. We're called to worship God. We're called to love one another, right? Number three, we are called together to become more like Jesus, to be his disciples. Every one of us is called to become more like Jesus, to be transformed. Number four, to be equipped to reach the lost. Every one of us is called to be a witness of Jesus, right? And finally, number five is to be empowered to minister, that there is a mission for each and every one of our lives. And that mission is to extend the gospel, to extend life, to extend restoration, transformation through the good news of Jesus Christ. So we all have a mission and every one of us is called to, to fulfill that mission that God has given us, okay? But today I want to talk about fellowship or relationships, Right? The church is people. We are better together. Uh, we need each other. And we are relational beings. This is how God created us to be. And as I talk about this, I want to just uh, compare the difference that I see in, and it's kind of a broad comparison, between relationship type, doing church as relationship focused versus doing church as a religious focus. I talk about this often because it is at the core of who we are at real life. Just the name itself, real, is, is counter 
to religion, okay? We're, we're not trying to pose uh, some sort of a front of, we're going to do these rules, we're going to be like this person. We're real people, right? We are real people with real problems, um, and, but we have a real God with real solutions, right? So we're not trying to be better people in and of ourselves. We are trusting in God, in this relationship with God, and that he does these works in us to change us. Now, religion is a little bit different. That's where you're focused on you doing the right things in order to uh, please God or to become good enough for God or something like that, to, to check the boxes off. Um, and it's a, it's a different focus. It's like you are responsible to do the right things. You are responsible to not do the wrong things. And somehow your status with God is dependent upon your ability to do those things or not do those things, right? That's religion. And that's mankind putting into place uh, the dictating to us how that should be. But this church started with a personal encounter with God, a real relationship with God. In our own messy lives, God entered and started to change us and, re and revolutionize our soul and heal us and set us free. And that's what we want to offer to every single person out there because religion is not the answer, but Jesus is. And Jesus is a relationship. He's not a religion. And so when I look at this today, I want to talk about relationships because I think a lot of us are afraid to have real relationships with one another because we're afraid that people really get to know us, that we really are a mess, that we have problems, that we have sin, that we have hurts, we have addictions, we have brokenness. And so we don't want to be real with people because we don't want people to know who we really are, and therefore, we, we, we think we'll get judged or we'll be labeled or we'll be embarrassed. And so we hide in our sin, we hide in our brokenness, we hide in our bondage, and we don't find freedom. We don't find release. We don't find healing. We don't find transformation. But the scriptures is all about us becoming real with one another so that then the, the um, that we can find that freedom and healing from each other. So the relationships and freedom are intimately connected together uh, through the principles of Scripture. That's why we need each other. And, uh, and that's what I'm trying to foster here at Real Life. That's what we're trying to foster together, is get rid of this religious idea and this judgmental idea and condemnation stuff uh, that religion brings. And let's be real because there's a real God with real answers for you and for me. As long as we're willing to trust in Him, and to follow that process through, we can find freedom and healing today. Amen? All right. So I want to give you just a couple of examples. And the first example is a highly explosive topic. And, you know, I might offend some people, but I just want to give you an example of the difference between religion and relationship. And I ask for you to follow through and allow me to share the rest of this message without tuning me out. So the first example would be something like this. Let's say that a person uh, with a gay lifestyle enters into our church, comes to our church. If you have a religious mindset, your initial reaction would be that that person is in sin and your focus is on that particular sin itself, right? Uh, because it's very clear in Scripture that homosexuality, that, that, that lifestyle, is sin. There's no question about it, that that's what the Scriptures tell us. And, and so 
the problem with a religious mindset is that we focus on one another's weaknesses, one another's sins, one another's troubles, and, and that's what we get all fired up about. But a relationship church, okay, that's depending on a relationship with Jesus, sees people as Jesus sees them. And the focus is not on the sin. The focus is on the soul. Let me say that again. The focus of Jesus, and I'm going to give you three examples out of the scripture, is always on the soul of a person, not their sin. If their soul is healed, the sin will be uh, changed, right? That, will, that situation will be changed, uh, will be healed, will be redeemed, will be transformed. Our lives are transformed when our souls are healed. There's insecurities in us. There's pride in us. There's just wrong thinking in us. Uh, there's, there's thoughts that are contrary to God's word in us that we believe to be true. But when our soul gets healed or set free from those things, the outside, and I'll call that the outside performance of sin, gets altered. Do you see? Religion starts on the outside, trying to change the outside. But a relationship with Jesus, he always starts on the inside. He saves our soul. He heals our hurts. He, he calms our fears. He sets us free. And then the outside changes. And that's what real life is all about. We want, we want sinners to come to this church, right? Why? Because we're all sinners. If we don't allow anybody to come to this church that doesn't have any sin, nobody's going to be qualified to come, right? Isn't that true? And that's what was true of Jesus. And then he was... He was uh, uh, criticized by the religious, remember, the religious crowd, that he was a friend of sinners. <laughs> so if, if you want to love people like Jesus uh, loved us, you also will look like a friend of sinners. Now, I'm going to go through this a little bit later in this message. It doesn't mean that sin doesn't matter at all. And I'll show you how Jesus addressed that issue. Let's go on. Another example would be, let's say a greedy person, right, walks into the church and a religious uh, a religious mindset might not even notice that person is greedy. Um, and so that person might be behaving themselves, you know, they might be dressed fine, they might be playing the part, and uh, they're welcomed with open arms, but inside their heart, they could be really greedy, right? Self-centered, could have a self selfish heart. Now, what most people don't realize is that is in the same sentence as homosexuality in the scripture, that it's sin. It's sin to be greedy. It's, it's in the same sentence as the sin of homosexuality. So, but yet, if we're just looking at the outside, we might not even notice that and, and uh, not even be concerned. But a relationship-focused church, okay, having real relationships is concerned about the soul. And anything that's out of order in the soul needs healing because there's more freedom and more liberty that Jesus wants us to experience, and that's how we are at this church. It doesn't matter what you look like on the outside if you're putting on a, you know, uh, a show for anybody else because it's your soul that Christ wants to redeem. He wants to get inside of every one of your, your issues in your heart because there is more life in Him than there is uh, in any other, any other uh, means that we would pursue in this world. And so what if an alcoholic walks into this church? What if someone who's addicted to... Um, you know, drugs walks into this church. Is there an answer for them? Absolutely. Real life. We're just real people with real problems 
but we have a real God who has real solutions. And, and the solution isn't get your act together. The solution is discover the presence and power of God. When God comes into our hearts, when we allow him into those spaces, he heals, he redeems, he sets us free. And only God can do that. Only God himself can do that. So we want to encourage and create an environment where every single one of us can meet with God in this place, right? And uh, we're, trying to, we're trying to seek him because he is our answer. He is our solution. So let me give you a final scenario. You walk into this church. You walk into this church. You have problems. You have sin. I have problems. I have sin, right? And here's what's true about you and me and every single one of us on planet Earth. You have incredible value in God's eyes. And therefore, you have incredible value in the eyes of our church and our congregation, our family, because God loves you and we seek to love you. We seek to love one another. God loves you right now and he wants you to trust in him, to be healed from your hurt, from your addiction, from your greed, from your uh, sexual sin, from your anger, you know, from your loneliness, from your bitterness or unforgiveness, from your eating disorder, from your depression. Do you see, we are all in this together. We come together. We, we're not coming together as perfect people. We're coming together as uh, redeemed people that God is still working on. And so we need to love each other and have relationships with each other. And if we're going to have real relationships with each other, then there's going to be things that come out in our lives, right, that we know are not right. And that's how God wants to give us healing and freedom. So we need to have relationships, authentic, godly relationships where we're real with each other so that God can get in there and do a real awesome work of redemption. In the early years of their church, uh, we didn't have a church building. Um, others have said that, and uh, we met on Sunday mornings in the hall in Clio. Uh, since we didn't have a church building, the children's ministry and youth ministry, and uh, adult life groups met in our homes. Meeting in the home was a real atmosphere and we grew very close to one another. We spent a lot of time together growing in Christ, sharpening each other, and just a lot of fun and games playing together. Uh, people were uh, comfortable enough to be real with each other and to be themselves. Uh, the vision of the church the Lamb of God uh, was to know God and to make Him known. Chris and my goal uh, was and is to help others understand through, uh, through knowledge of the Word who they are and what authority they have and uh, to overcome obstacles by putting their trust in Jesus Christ. Life groups spent a lot of time together and shared together not just on Sunday mornings but throughout the week. We ministered together we played together, we ate a lot of meals together, we loved being together. We taught second grade Bible study with Keith and Cindy Harrison at our house. God always taught us as much, if not more, uh, than we had taught our children. One example was the fruit of the Spirit. It was every, every, every whoever had that night for to teach on had uh, that week of the Holy Spirit and that gift. It was quite amazing, really. And no one wanted to teach on patience. <laughs> yeah. The church is a family. 
We encourage you all to embrace this family and to live life together, a real life. Because that's what it's all about. It's real life, as the name states now, that the, the real life is people. It's not a building. It's, it's, it's just a coming together in unity and loving each other and understanding that we want you to get so comfortable with the Lord that you become real to people around you and the Lord himself. It's just a, a growing experience that we just want people to be able to understand who they are and the authority that they have uh, to combat this world. I mean, we're in, a, we're in a broken world right now and we need Christ and the Holy Spirit to guide us. We've known from the beginning that God called us to do this, that we were to start a church with this group that we all started and uh, it was very important for us to be in prayer. A lot, a lot of prayer went into this. And we had to know and we knew that God had called us to start this church. And as the years have gone, it's just been a, a blessing. It feels like it happened yesterday. I think God has always been there. He has always taken care of this church. And he has always been a ble blessing to us and we, we just thank God for this church. And I love our new name of Real Life because that is what we're living and actually that's what we have always lived from day one of this church starting. So live the real life with each other. Yeah, get your old self out of the way. Don't lean on your own understanding and always acknowledge God and he'll set your path straight. Um, that's the main thing. You just gotta trust what the word tells us because it's real. It is real. It's what God wants for us. And, and it's actually a comfort where you can sit back and know that God is using you and you can be yourself. We just like to say how much we love coming here to Lamb of God, now known as Real Life, which I love the new name. And uh, we uh, experienced uh, coming here 21 years ago. And when we came, I think we could both say we were kind of in a place of needing um, some ministering to in our hearts. And God uh, brought us here with just to visit that Sunday, and here we are 21 years later. Because what we found, we were looking for a body of believers who loved one another and cared about one another. And when we came here, Pastor Bob uh, and Sherry were the pastors, and uh, they so touched our hearts, and they, they brought healing. And uh, uh, I think we can say we, from the first day, right, we knew that this was where we were gonna be. Yes, and, and so uh, so beautiful, welcomed and, and loved on, and uh, just a, a wonderful church uh, to belong to. And uh, we we felt right at home the first time we come through the doors, and it was like a, a refresh when we walked through the doors. It was like a, a, just to be refreshed and uh, pulling ourselves back to who God made us to be. Yeah. And uh, one thing we've, we realized right away is that, uh, and that we needed to be, be a part of a family. Again, we had been a part of a church family for years and we knew we needed that. And God brought us to the exact right church. And we went through uh, some classes at that time called Cleansing Stream and we got to know so many people. And it, we cannot ever 
impress enough that the need, when you come here, um, you're going to see a lot of beautiful, loving people, but you also need to get to know them. And thank, thankfully, we have had uh, lots of life groups. We've had a life group for years that was brought us all so close that we're like brothers and sisters. And, and I cannot tell you how many times we went through losing our home in a fire, and uh, the church family reached out to us in amazing ways. And uh, everything we've went through, and I pray that um, you would see that within this body, that uh, this is not a normal church. This is a church full of people who love. We, we came here uh, very hurt, broken, and uh, it just felt a refreshing when we first come. And, and uh, so, so many people uh, gathered around us. And in the life groups, uh, you become a, a, a little family together and you get to know one another and you uh, teach, you, you learn through God's word. And, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the deeper we go into his word, the more the abundant life that he has for us here uh, can be ours. It's just so many of us don't realize and don't know all that he did for us. And it's all in the salvation practice, just accepting him and knowing him and allowing him to uh, lead us, guide us, and uh, protect us and heal us. And so it's a, it's a powerful, powerful word. And uh, some people are afraid of the Holy Spirit, and, and it's not to be afraid for, afraid of, because uh, God has uh, provided that for us, that he lives with us, and uh, he's inside of us. And uh, I, I, I get so much comfort in that, knowing that. Yes. Mm -hmm. I, there was a prophecy given at this church long before we came about that this church would be a hospital and that people would come and get healed and some would go back out and some would stay. And we felt that when we came. It, it was a place. It was like <laughs> triage. We were healed. Our hearts were healed. And uh, thankfully God left us here so we could be a part. And uh, we're anxious. We're just starting back uh, due to the COVID. And, uh, thing and some health problems. We're finally starting back on doing some greeting again and being more involved and we can't tell you how happy that makes us and I, I pray God just keeps, we prayed years ago, Lord, bring in families. Somebody said to me the other day, this church is made, that it was, had visited, they said this church is made up of so many different ages and I said it is. It's one of our greatest strengths is that we're not a family and we're not a church just for any age group. We're a church for everyone. And so I'm so thankful that God brought us here and so thankful to be a part of real life. So we have always been in this church, we've always been about loving God and loving people. We don't always do it perfectly. We don't always do it right. But that is definitely a passion of our church for the last 40 years and it's going to continue to drive us forward because we seek to want to love God more and love one another better all the time. This church is a gathering of God's redeemed children, right? As I said, we're not... We're not re perfect, but we are forgiven and we're striving forward for more and more of God's freedom in each and every one of our lives. That's the journey I'm inviting you to be a part of with us. Now, where does this heart come from? I really believe it's in alignment with Jesus himself. I want to give you very quickly three examples of Jesus's encounter with people. 
and, and, uh, or people's encounter with Jesus and see what happened. How did he address sin? How did he address people? Was he more focused on the sin or more focused on the soul? The first story I want to remind you of is in John chapter 8, verse 11. Uh, in John chapter 8, there's a woman caught in adultery. And I believe that she was probably looking for love and acceptance. Okay? She, and Jesus, when she came before Jesus, Jesus showed her love and acceptance in spite of her sin. I mean, she's standing there just a guilty as, as all get out. And she's standing there in the guilt and shame of her sin right in front of Jesus. And he showed her love and acceptance. Now, but this is what he didn't do. He didn't show acceptance of her sin. He showed love and acceptance of her. He was focused on her soul. And he loved her. And he wanted her to be redeemed and healed from the hurts that created the sin in the first place. And so she's standing there and Jesus, you know how the story goes. Eventually, nobody's left. No one's condemning her. And he looked at her and says, you know, woman, is there no one here to condemn you? She said, no one. And he says, listen to this, verse 11, neither do I condemn you. Jesus says, neither do I condemn you. Was she guilty? Yes. Did Jesus condemn her? No. Did he, did he uh, act like the sin wasn't a big deal or that wasn't really a problem for him? No, he didn't do that either. Listen to what he said. Neither do I condemn you. Now go and leave your life of sin. So there's a difference here. Jesus is focused on her soul. He says, I love you. I'm not going to condemn you, but the sin's got to go. And he loved her right where she was at. He didn't focus on her sin. He focused on her soul. And I believe she, she left a changed, transformed woman. I believe she found what she was looking for. She found Jesus. She found the love of God. It's a beautiful story. Next one I want to give you, though, has a different result. And this one is called the rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19. This is an amazing story. There's a guy who comes to him. He's a religious-minded person. In verse 16, he says, Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Let me say that again. He is a religious-minded person. He says to Jesus, what must I do to get eternal life? Tell me the rules. Tell me what I need to do to earn this, right? He's a religious-minded person. And Jesus, um, I'm not going to read the whole story, but he said to him, there is only one who is good. In other words, what Jesus was saying was, buddy, you, you cannot do this. You can't earn salvation by yourself. There's only one who's good. And that one is a capital O in my translation. That means he's talking about himself. He's talking about, I'm the only one who's good. I'm the only one without sin. You have no chance. No one can save themselves. No one is without sin except Jesus. And Jesus is saying, there's only one who's good. And yet you're on this treadmill of performance trying to prove yourself to man and to God to earn for yourself with your own ability, salvation. And Jesus is basically saying, you know, you can't do it. And, but the guy presses him. And, and Jesus said, well, go ahead and obey all the commands. He said, which ones? And so Jesus lists a couple. And the guy says, well, I've done all of that. What else do I need to do? He says, what do I still lack? And so Jesus is like, oh man, this guy's not getting it. He, he thinks he's obeyed all these commands. He thinks he's 
perfect in the eyes of God. He doesn't see his sin. So then Jesus goes to the heart of the matter and he says to him, because this is a very wealthy person, and he says this, if you want to be perfect, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But Jesus was touching his soul. He knew his soul was bound by greed and lust. And this man had a choice to make and he chose not to follow the words of Jesus. It says, when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. And Jesus turned to his disciples and he's talking to them. He says, it's so difficult for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God because their soul is bound by that greed and that lust. And so the disciples said, who then can be saved? So they saw this. They listened to this conversation. This guy was a really good guy. He had a lot of his religious act together, right? But Jesus pinpointed an area that he was falling short in and he couldn't, he just couldn't comply. He couldn't do it. So the disciples looked to Jesus and like, well, who can be saved? Who can be saved? And listen to what Jesus says in verse 26. He looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. No one can be saved if you're relying on your own means. With man, salvation is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. With God, you can be saved. Jesus is always pointing us to a relationship with Him, that we need to have faith in His perfection and His performance, not ours, right? This is about a relationship with a Savior who has paved the way for each and every one of us. The last, I, I want to share this as well. In Mark or Matthew chapter 12, Jesus said, For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. In other words, Jesus is saying all of our sin comes from within. It's a little rhyme there I just kind of created. All of our sin comes from within. So if we do not allow God on the inside of our soul, we're not going to see a transformation on the outside. All of the sin on the outside, Jesus is saying, is coming from something within, from evil, wickedness, hurt, pain, anger, rejection. That's on the inside. If you have those things on the inside, it's stored up on the inside of you. Those come out in the form of sin. It could come out with anger. It could come out with uh, rage. It could come out with depression. It could come out with all sorts of different, you know, uh, symptoms, but the true issue is in the heart. That's what Jesus is saying. And that's what he was pointing at with this young man. The third story I want to share with you very quickly is the Samaritan woman at the well. So Jesus comes to this lady in John chapter four, and he's having a conversation with her. Now, this woman had been married five times, and now she is with another man who she hasn't married, but it's her partner. So she's with her sixth man. And Jesus knows this. Later in the story, he confronts her with it and tells her that he knows about this. And, and that convinces her that he's a prophet because he, he had never met her before, right? But she was obviously hungering for something, right? 
And so Jesus comes to him thirsting for something. She, he comes to her and he says to her at the well, Please, you know, would you give me a drink? And she's like, well, I can't give you a drink. I'm a Samaritan. You're a Jew. And she's talking religion. She's talking these boundaries. She's talking these rules of man, right? And Jesus says to her, if you knew who was you know, asking you for a drink, you would have asked him, he's talking about himself, and I would have given you living water for your soul, something that would fill your soul. And obviously she needed something in her soul. She was on her sixth man. She's looking for something. She's looking for some affirmation, some love, some connection, some intimacy, something was missing in her life, right? And Jesus says this in John chapter four, verse 13, everyone who drinks this water in this well will be thirsty again. Whatever you do in, in, uh, in this world, it's not going to quench the thirst of your soul. And Jesus goes on to say, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Though indeed the water I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. He's saying, if you will have a relationship with me, your soul will be satisfied for the first time in your life and it will remain that way for all eternity. You will find everything that you need in a relationship with Christ. Isn't that awesome? We all long, we all have soul issues and Jesus is the only one who can satisfy our soul. So then she throws it back and he tells her about the husbands and all that. And then she throws the discussion back to religion. And Jesus comes back to her and he says this, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. So we, Jesus is saying, you got to have a personal relationship with God. Um, it's not about religion. It's not about the rights and wrongs. It's about, do you know God? Is your soul satisfied with God? And he's the only one who can do that. And so it's amazing. He has this impact on this woman and she meets the Savior and she goes and witnesses to her town and the entire town come out to meet Jesus. And he stays there two days and many people became saved and placed their faith in Jesus because they found the real living water in a relationship with him. Now, I give you all those examples to say this. Not only do we pursue and need a personal relationship with God and Jesus, and that's what this real life is all about, but we also need to pursue real relationships with one another. We can't just keep hiding from our pain or our hurts and expect for us to be healed from those things. The Bible gives us very clear indication in James chapter 5, verse 16, that if we confess our sins to each other, not just to God. If we confess our sins to God, we're forgiven. But when we confess our sins to each other, the Bible says, and pray for each other, then we will be healed. We will be made whole. We will find freedom. And this is a passion of our church is that we're not just going through religious hoops here. We're looking for our lives to be transformed. We want freedom. We want healing. We want life. We want joy. We want peace for you and for ourselves. And this is found in this idea of connecting together and having real, authentic relationships. These two things are connected, relationships and freedom. And, and we need to be real with God. We need to be real with one another. And the Bible says, when we confess our sins to each other. Now, this isn't just me saying, oh, I did this 
and I tell somebody I did this wrong. That's not, that's a real surfacey, shallow interpretation of this verse. What this really means is that you have a relationship depth with someone who really knows you and you're real with them about your struggles. You're real with them about your soul, about your emotions, about your thoughts and about your tendencies. And you're talking it out with them and they're praying for you and you're finding freedom and it's a process. It's not just a, a, a short on the whim saying, oh, I did this thing wrong, pray for me, and I, I don't ever have to worry about it again. But we have deep ingrained issues in our, in our soul, don't we? We have some hurts there that take time to process, and we need relationships to be able to talk about and work through what's going on in our soul. That's what this idea of confessing your sins to one another and then praying for one another results in freedom and healing. And that's what we're trying to cultivate here at Real Life. And it's scary. Uh, obviously, it's scary. But if we get enough people around that have a godly perspective and not a religious perspective, right? Have a love and grace and truth perspective, not a judgmental or condemning perspective, then we are going to see some real transfer transformation take place. We're going to find some real joy in this place. And that's been the history of these last 40 years. And that's what it's going to continue to be as we continue to seek God with all of our hearts and love one another and connect with one another. Hello, I'm Keith Harrison. And I'm his wife, Cindy Harrison. And we want to talk to you today a little bit about Cleansing Stream Ministries. And Cleansing Stream Ministries came into our lives because we were taking some classes up in Saginaw to be um, lay pastors for marriages, when people's marriages were in trouble, um, like ours was. And we went through some classes, and all of a sudden, Cleansing Stream Ministries was introduced to us, actually the whole church. And at that point, um, we knew that God was taking us in a path that um, he wanted to use Cindy and I to bring the ministry back here to our church because we saw the need of people getting healed, people getting set free, people knowing the things that the devil does to us that we had no idea that we allowed him in our lives. It was in 1994 and we got involved with this ministry. It literally changed our lives because God's word became alive. We, um, we were memorizing scripture and we were taught how to apply that. And when we memorized and applied scripture to our lives, like I said, it literally changed our lives. We learned that we could be free from so many areas that the enemy had been trying to use to destroy us and, and those around us. Um, we could be free from bad choices and past choices we made and receive healing and freedom in these areas. Is it a process? Well, yes, it is a process and it does take time. It takes time knowing God's word and believing him and believing what he says about each one of us. We learned how to pray for one another and that we had power and we had authority because of what Jesus had already done. Um, I want to pass on just a little bit of the knowledge that we learned on really what happened at the cross. And there was a reason for everything 
that God did through Jesus Christ on the cross and by all his stripes that he took on. Can you imagine all the beating that Jesus took was for us? And to set us free, to break free from the chains of bondage that the devil had, has on our lives. And I want to talk also about the blood and how the blood um, covered us, sanctified us, and redeemed us from the pit of hell, actually, and the direction that we all are heading if we don't know Jesus Christ. And there also learned the fact of God set us free from known or unknown sin. And the unknown part was new to me. I never thought about sin that I had committed that I didn't really have any recollection of that Jesus wanted to set me free. This was such a um, healing part that Jesus touched my life. And I also want to share about the authority that Jesus gave us on the cross and how the enemy hates us with a, with a perfect hatred that Jesus redeemed on the cross, that we now have the authority over the devil and all his demons that attack us. How? Because of the blood of Jesus that was shed on the cross. The devil understands the power of the blood, but we need to speak it out. And we need to tell him that he has no authority over us. We need to stand firm in this authority and walk in it and put the devil under our feet. And we have overdone this by the blood of Jesus and the word of God. I'm so excited to pass this on to you that you can take it to others. You know, as Keith said, we are in a battle zone, um, but we win if we just know how to stand on God's word and to use the tools in which he gave us. So I'm just going to share three of the tools that we learned about. One is his word. His word trumps everything. If you truly believe what God says and apply that, it, um, it just trumps anything that would be happening in your life. His blood and the power of his blood. Um, his blood delivers. It covers. It heals. And it brings life to us. And the third tool is his name. His name is the most powerful name that could ever be used. It's the name above all names. So when we pray in the name of Jesus, we are praying the most powerful name that can possibly be prayed. Amen. We can have freedom in all of these different areas of our lives because of his word and because of his blood and because of his name. We can have freedom over guilt, condemnation, fear, rejection, pride, poverty, you name it, whatever it is that comes at you that tries to trip you up or tries to um, take you down and, and keep you from becoming all that God wants you to be. Use his word, use his blood, and use his name, and you will have victory. The word of God says that we don't battle against flesh and blood, but against powers and against principalities in the spiritual realm. This was a huge revelation to me. In the spiritual realm is where the battles won. 
We live here on this earth, and everything that centers around us is earthly. But yet the real war zone and the real battlefield is in the spiritual realm. If our eyes could just see what is going on in the spiritual realm, we would realize that Jesus has already won that battle. But we have to apply it. We have to take the authority, as Keith said, of what has been already done for us. Take his word, apply it to your situations, and you will see victory. Now I'd like to talk about um, just some steps to take. So as the Lord leads you, um, you need to spend some time and um, think about in the area that you're struggling, what, what is it? Um, so you need to repent. If you've opened yourself up to sin, you need to ask God's forgiveness that you may have thought that it's something that you had. No, Jesus has already covered you. So repent. Speak his life into that situation and receive what Jesus did on the cross for you. And then there's another very important step. And this is step two, and that's renounce. Renounce means to talk to the enemy of your soul and shut the door, so to speak, on every place that you may have opened up to him in your life. And then there's a, a third one, and that is to break. Break the hold that the enemy may have on you by speaking to him and putting in him, the enemy, in his rightful place, which is under your feet. Because, after all, you're a God's kid. And you're made in his image. And then we need to replace. Use God's word to fill you up to overflowing mm -hmm. with your love for him. Who saved you and redeemed you from the pit of hell and destroyed the work of the devil. But you need to say all this out loud. The devil needs to hear you. Mm -hmm. um, I now want to share a prophecy that was spoken over this church uh, years ago. And the prophecy is that we would be a hospital, a place where people would come for healing. Cleansing Stream Ministries became a big part of the fulfillment of that prophecy. Um, people come through our doors all the time. And they need a healing touch from God. And this is a safe place for them to come. The prophecy also said that some would stay, but others would leave. And that's okay, because this is God's work. This is God's house. And this is God's plan that we are following. Can this type of ministry be messy? Yeah, it can. But Jesus is bigger than any mess. Amen. And he is able to straighten it out. We are a safe place here, not a typical church. We are a place where people can come and be loved, healed, and restored. Cleansing Stream was just one of the paths that God has used to change lives, to bring freedom and healing, and to set this particular church apart. So I want to leave you with these thoughts. Dig into his word to understand your authority that he gave you on the cross. Learn what it means to stand firm on his promises. And here, look at these. See what God says to you about repent, 
renounce, break, and replace. These are not formulas, but tools. I like to say tools for your tool belt. They're not formulas, but tools to use to overcome the enemy's snares. And here's the scripture that says, if God is for you, who can be against you? That's right. Amen. And the final thing I want to add is the word of God says, perfect love casts out. And according to scripture, God's love will set you free. So at this particular church with this body of believers, we want you to love others and be a part of walking others into their freedom. So my challenge to you is to develop godly relationships here at Real Life, to put time aside, right, to make room for, to be devoted to developing and maintaining real, godly, authentic relationships with one another because you will find more freedom and support and encouragement and you will be offering more freedom and support and encouragement to other people. We need each other. This is the fabric of our fellowship, is knowing each other, living life together, sharing life together. So let's continue forward and sharing life together, not just showing up at a building, because that's not church. Church is people, and we need each other, and let's be the church. Let's continue to celebrate uh, just the, 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 the transformation that God does when we gather together and seek Him and put Him in the center of all that we do. So I just pray for you to find those relationships, to make room in your life for those relationships, to pursue them purposely, and, and let's develop those relationships so we all can grow stronger together and we can support and love one another in the ups and downs of life. Now I want to pray just a blessing on you and continue to uh, encourage you uh, in the Lord, okay? So now may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. And right now, Lord Jesus, we come to you and thank you that you came to give us yourself, not a religion. You came to draw us to you, not to a bunch of rules. And Lord, for anyone who's watching right now, I just pray, God, that if you're touching their heart, and they need to place their faith in you, that they just right now in their heart, just do this. Say, Jesus, I need you. I love you. And I thank you for dying for my sins, for rising from, uh, raising from the dead, uh, and, and being my Lord and Savior today. Lord, we invite you into our lives to heal us, to redeem us, to forgive us, and to do a great work in our soul of of just healing us and making us more like you. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, God bless you. And I hope that you have a great day and a great week. And get out there and find some great friendships and develop those relationships so that you're better and those around you are better because of you. In his name. Amen.